2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is the Greg
2: Peterson Experience on Ten, the Sports Betting
4: Network. It is hour number three of the Greg Peterson Experience, right here on Beason, the Sports Betting Network. Typically, this is where we wind up going football heavy and. We're going to hit every single game on the football board when it comes to FBS football for this upcoming Saturday. Have no fear there, but problem is that's only one game. So we're also going to be hitting on a little bit of NBA. I've already went through quite a bit of the college basketball betting board. For this Saturday, we're gonna to try to under some gems. I'm gonna refresh for you the New York Post play if you want to missing that as well. So we're gonna have a fun-filled final hour of the Greg Peterson experience. We are gonna be starting with the lone football game that we're gonna be seeing today. That would be that that would be the Army Navy game. This is gonna be played at MetLife Stadium. And right now, you're finding a total anywhere between 34 and a half and thirty-five. And pretty much across the board, you're finding Army as a seven-point favorite. Now, I myself like navy catching seven in this game obviously you want to being able to get a little bit of a better number earlier in the week with a lot of seven and halves out there but even out of seven i do think that this is a navy team that they provide a lot of value when it comes to navy they were able to really push cincinnati to the brink and we know where cincinnati is they are in the college football playoffs so they were able to do a nice job there when it came to navy just early on in the season you could tell that it was a case of murphy's line Army actually did wind up playing a game in which they wanted up giving up 70 points this season. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think that they're going to be able to rack up 56 points like they did against Wake Forest. And this is certainly not going to be like the game that they played against the Bucknell Bison, the pride of the Patriot League, who wound up having, they wound up having 63 points in that game. But when it comes to Army, very intriguing team because they've actually done a good job of not allowing teams to be able to rush on them. Navy, meanwhile... The run defense has been a little bit more suspect. Both of these teams have been relatively equal through the air. But do you think that there's going to be a lot of passing in this game? I certainly do not. This game has been played for over 100 years. And in the over 100 years, we really haven't seen much. I mean, I'm sure that there could be someone that winds up being able to break out the cane and tell me about when they wound up seeing like an 80-yard bomb in this game. But, I mean, it's just one of these cases in which I don't think that you're going to be seeing a whole lot of an aerial threat. You take a look at both of these defenses and... When it comes to Navy, they've been improving as the season went along. They wound up getting just completely torched at the beginning of the year against Marshall. They wound up actually having a spirited effort against Houston as well. Houston is a team that they wound up rattling off 11 straight games before they wound up losing in that American Championship game against Cincinnati. And just with Navy's losses in general, most of these games have been closed. 38-35 to 35 against East Carolina. They did wind up getting taken to the woodshed a little bit against Notre Dame, but... I mean, let's call it what it is. Notre Dame's a relatively solid team. They went on the road. They knocked off Temple. They went on the road. They were able to get another win against Tulsa as well. Tulsa was a relatively solid school. Temple obviously was a little bit down in the dumps this season, but when it comes to this Navy team, I think it's going to be really big for this team. It's a guy that was able to start A week ago against Temple that would be Carlinas a C. They have been giving him more and more carries. He wound up having a buck 55 in that game against East Carolina. In that game against Temple, 10 carries 86 yards. This is a guy that he has used in tandem with so many different running backs. I mean you just take a look up and down this AV team and I swear, the offensive linemen are getting five carries for like 55 yards. So, I mean, it's just a case in which you've got so many different rushers for both of these teams. It's going to be smash-mouth football. It looks like we could wind up seeing a little bit of rain in the forecast as well. That is something that you want to be taking note of. Seems like it might be raining a little bit early, and then as the game goes along, it might be... A case in which it winds up drying up a little bit more and more. So, certainly something they want to be watching out for. Because, obviously, as these days winds up going along, that could be a case in which you do wind up seeing things become a little bit more, shall we say, tame. But, I think that this is going to be a game in which it's going to be like darn near every single Army-Navy game that we've seen. A whole lot of defense, a lack of scoring. Army has been able to sure up their defense a little bit. If I do have any questions with regards to a defense, it would be Army's just because they do have the couple of games this year in which they've had, shall we say, some slip-ups. But I think that we could conclude that we're probably not going to be seeing too high of a scoring game. I think that the under in this game is hit in, like, each in like 19 out of last 20 so I and mean, it's just been absolutely ridiculous what we've seen on that front and when it comes to this army team they certainly have been able to rack it up on the ground 43 rushing touchdowns you've got a passing game that has been non-existent for them as well I think the what is going to be really big in this game just being able to force some turnovers in general because I think that turnovers are going to be what winds up dictating this game you can't expect really an interception being thrown in this one but when it comes to being able to force some fumbles you've got an army team that they wound up forcing just seven this year. So they weren't able to do necessarily a great job with that. Navy, their team, that they did turn the ball over a little bit more themselves. But I think that they're going to be able to be the team that is more likely to be able to force a turnover in this game. I think that that could be the big, giant momentum swing that you do wind up seeing in this game. When it comes to Navy, they wanted forcing 13 fumbles throughout the season. They were able to recover seven of them. So that is an edge they do wind up giving to this Navy team. They do have a little bit more of... I guess you call it explosiveness when it comes to the sea for lack of a better term. So I take a look at this spot. I don't know if Navy's going to be able to win the game outright, but a lot of their losses, despite the record, have been by a very close margin. I think that you're going to once again see a great team. And when it's all said and done, we are all on the same team. It is very nice to be able to see this game year in and year out. So that's what I'm taking a look at for this game. I'm taking a look at Army catching or Navy catching the seven points and I take a look at this spot, even though it is super low for the total I mean how can you go against this trend it would be very very daring for me it's just one of those things in which I feel like every single year it's like oh the total is so low I mean one of these games it's eventually going to come through the do for one theory is not one that has proven to be very profitable when it comes to sports betting it's a case which I'm going with the under and I'm going to be going with army about if we go with a little bit of NBA here as well since we do have a relatively solid slate when it comes to NBA what makes things really difficult when it comes to gauging the NBA is that you typically are going to find a lot of games that just do not have lines up until, say, the early afternoon because, as we know, injury information in the NBA is becoming a little bit harder to get, but we do have lines on a few of these games, and one that really sticks out to me is the San Antonio Spurs versus the Denver Nuggets game. The Nuggets are right now finding themselves as a a one-and-a-half point favorite. Your total on this game is 216-216.5. to For the San Antonio Spurs, this is a bunch of which they've been able to cover five out of their last six games, and I saw with John Von Tobel on the look at a few days ago and we were both in agreement that a big difference maker for the San Antonio Spurs team has been Jakob Ertl, a guy that down low is not necessarily going to be a guy that winds up being able to do a great job when it comes to being able to stretch the floor or anything like that. But he is going to be able to give you 9.5 rebounds per game. He's going to do a good job of just making things difficult to be able to score on the inside for these opposing teams. And when it comes to DeJounte Murray, one of the more underrated do-it-all players in the NBA. 19 points. He's been able to give the team 8.5 rebounds, 8.5 assists. A guy that's able to chip in their two steals per game. He doesn't get the love that he deserves. And he does all this while committing just 2.5 turnovers per game. So he's been relatively efficient When it comes to the San Antonio Spurs team, I think that the very bad start that they wound up having to begin the season. Has clouded the fact that they've actually been able to play some very good basketball down the stretch. You've been dealing with a couple of injuries when it comes to the team, but now they're starting to get all their pieces back. Now it's starting to be the San Antonio Spurs that we were expecting a little bit more. And then when it comes to Denver Nuggets, this is a team that has been relatively banged up as well. As we know, you wound up having a lot of injuries towards the back half of last season that wound up costing them, so that has been no question plaguing them throughout the season as well because you thought that by now you'd probably be able to get back Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray has just not been able to get out there for the team so that's been a little bit of an issue when it comes to the sponsor. Will Barton is dealing with a little bit of an injury now as well. Austin Rivers has been dealing with an injury so you're able to go up and down the list and this is a team that has really been dealing with it. And then you're able to throw in there the man that, in my opinion, was the reason why the Nuggets were able to maintain when Murray was out of the fold for the scene. And that would and that would be Michael Porter. He has been dealing with some injuries as well. That has been a big, giant issue for this team. I mean, even before the injuries, he wasn't necessarily playing well, but he's been, now been out for a month, and you can tell that this Denver Nuggets team has not been the same without those two guys out there. Aaron Gordon is a guy that I was expecting a little bit more from when the Nuggets wanted training for him. I do think that the Spurs are in a really good place, especially with Barton currently dealing with an injury. They're in a tough place now. When it comes to the Denver Nuggets, no fans are butts about it. They've got the MVP. They've got a guy that is able to just stuff the sad sheet night in and night out. Nikolai Jokic. You can tell that he's been having to fight through a couple ailments as well. I mean, despite the fact that he's been averaging darn near a triple double every single night, you can tell that. It's starting to take a little bit of a toll on him. So that's something that you do want to be taking a look at. Now, when it comes to Keldon Johnson, I think that he's going to be a big key when it comes to this team as well. He has been dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury. He's officially listed as probable. I'm sure that he should be able to go in this game. Now, he was limited in the team's last game that he wanted playing in against the New York Knicks. He wound up getting a night off after that. Looks like he should be good to return. I would say before you wind up firing in on this game you want to be making sure that Keldon Johnson is slash is not going to be playing in this game depending on where you're going to be winding up looking. I'd be personally looking at a Spurs money line as long as Keldon Johnson winds up playing I think that the Spurs should be able to get it done in this spot. Like I was mentioning a little bit earlier, you do have quite a few games in which you just don't have a lot of availability of lines on them, like the Orlando Magic against the L.A. Clippers, the Chicago Bulls against the Miami Heat. And this is one that is currently available on DraftKings, but you're not finding it in too many other books. That would be the Golden State Warriors against the Philadelphia 76ers. As of right now, we're seeing the Warriors as a a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Your total of this game is 215 And... Obviously, when it comes to this game, a lot of the intrigue is going to be a little bit beyond the betting. Like with me personally, I take a look at the Golden State Warriors. I think that they are a very good team to be able to back night in and night out, especially when it comes to Philadelphia 76ers, all that they've been dealing with. But obviously, you wind up having the storyline of Steph Curry. Is he going to be able to get that three-point shooting record and I think that it's really interesting when it comes to a handicapping angle because I do feel like there are some players that they would let this get to them. I think that Seth Curry is a guy that he winds up thriving off of this. So if you're looking at like player props, if you're looking at the game itself, I wouldn't be tepid to take it over if you do like the matchup. Obviously, this is going to be a to each their own, but if you're trying to use that angle, I don't think that Seth Curry is going to be shall we say, nervous of the moment, and I am not nervous when it comes to taking a look at college basketball. Coming up next, I'm going to give you guys some of my thoughts on some of these teams that have been overachieving and underachieving. That's next on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beason, the Sports Network.
3: Hoops Peterson himself
2: on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Today's new episode of the Ron Ladder Racing Pod comes from the Global Symposium on Racing in Tucson, Arizona. Former congressman Tom Rooney is the new president of the National Thoroughbred Racing Association. Shannon Arvin is the CEO of Keemlin, and they discuss the sports' new federal regulations, plus ideas on how to integrate horse racing into betting on other sports. From Las Vegas, you've got Johnny Avello of DraftKings Sportsbook, and he's handicapping this weekend's races as well. Subscribe for free at iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts or download it now at beastin.com slash podcast and the Ron Flatter Racing Podcast that is sponsored by First Bet. As we're back here in Las Vegas, it is the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson. We've hit on quite a few of these college basketball games that we've got coming up for this Saturday and we're going to be hitting a couple more in these final 45 or so minutes I've got with you guys, but got to be taking a look at Just some of these teams in general that we've got in college basketball. Obviously, when we came into the week, you wound up having Purdue at number one being undefeated. But when it comes down to it, it certainly is a case in which when it comes to the top five, it's one of those things in which just ask on the day because things have been moving around very much. So the team that I've had to move almost, to, not maybe the most, but One of the teams I've had to make one of the bigger moves when it comes to this season has been Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a team that I wound up having power rated as my number one team, and I thought that they were darn near four points clear of everyone else. Obviously, when they wind up taking the losses to Alabama and Duke, that had to be adjusted a little bit more with a team that's towards the top five in UCLA. You're going to be finding out the New York Post play today, which I'm going to be refreshing for you guys in the final segment. I'm going to be Focusing on that game, and I do think that UCLA is certainly proving worthy of being a top ten team. I did think coming here to the year that Oregon was going to be a relatively solid team out there in the Pac-12. That's a team that I've really gotten sore on. But when it comes to that Pac-12, I do think that at this point, it's probably going to be coming down to UCLA and Arizona. It's going to be very intriguing to see what happens with Arizona because I do think that as of now. I would have Arizona as my number one team out there in the Pac-12. But with that said, with Arizona, I do think that they wind up winning or they wind up losing the game. All right, to Illinois on Saturday as well. I think that that's going to be a very tight one. And when you just take a look at so many teams, when it comes down to it, I think that you've got to be taking the old boxing mantra: fights or matchups make fights. And when it comes down to it it's a big reason why I don't wind up firing in on too many futures it's a big reason why when people ask oh what's your final four it's like what's the matchups because we see it every single year a team looks really solid going into the NCAA tournament and then they just get that one doomsday matchup they're good against every team except for a team that's able to deliver like two bigs that's able to do a great job of rebounding and guess who they draw every single time. I think that it's just so important when you wind up taking a look at that. But when it comes to teams I'm becoming much more bullish on, how if we go back to what we wound up seeing on Thursday. Iowa State is a team that I thought was going to be dead last out there in the Big 12. I thought that they were going to be absolutely terrible. T.J. Alzenberger was not a guy that wound up having success while I was at UNLV. What went under the radar by myself and so many others is that he was an assistant at Iowa State for so many years. He has brought Midwest toughness back to him with Ames. I think that Iowa State not going to be the best team out there in the Big 12, but I think that they're going to be a team that's going to be second around in the top 25. I think that they're going to be able to make an NCAA tournament. I've had to make nearly an eight-point move on my line when it comes to them because, I mean, if Iowa versus Iowa State would have been played in the preseason, I probably would have set Iowa as a four-point road favorite. When it came down to it, going into that game, I wanted to saying Iowa State as a five-point favorite. Obviously, bookmakers disagreed. They, for some reason, set Iowa as a three-point favorite, and more befuddling was the fact that Money wanted coming in on the Hawkeyes as a road favorite and wanted being, well, shall we say, not great if you want, betting on Iowa on Thursday. But I think that that's a team that you've got to be taking a look at and it's really unique. What has been a very interesting ride as well, it's not the fact that they're higher slash lower as to where I had them coming into the year, but. Just a journey that they've had in general. That would be the Dayton Flyers. They're a team that they're not going to be in action on Saturday. They're rather going to be in action on Sunday. They're going to actually have a very tough game against Virginia Tech. But if you're looking for a team that's had a wide, a long and winding road, this has been a bunch because they wind up losing at home to UMass Lowell, Austin Peay, the good old Governators, and Lipscomb. And then they go on the road to Florida. In their multi team event, the ESPN, whatever they want to call it, because they've all got various names, but they wind up knocking off Miami, Kansas, and Belmont all on a neutral court after losing those three home games. It makes it very difficult to be able to gauge. I mean, you take a look at Rutgers, for example, they wind up taking down Purdue. I still have Purdue as my number one team in the country after they won taking that loss to Rutgers a few days ago, because you just take a look at Purdue. This is a team that they do have all the goods in that game against Rutgers. They shot sub-30% for three-point range. You still have Sasa uh, Sivanovic. I think that he's one of the best sharpshooters in all of college basketball. I think that he's going to be just fine, but When it comes to Purdue, when you've got Travion Williams along with Zach Eady, both of these guys are able to combine for about 16 rebounds per game. Both are what I would consider to be giants of planet Earth as well. It's just absolutely insane how Purdue is able to do that. I think that they're going to be solid. But when it comes to the AP voters, I do agree that Baylor belongs in the top three. I don't know if I would necessarily be placing them at number two at this point, it is a little bit of a tougher call with regards to them, but I do think that Baylor certainly does belong up there. The Ric Flair mantras: in order to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, and nobody's been able to beat Baylor so far this year. And Baylor seems to be a little bit better down low this year than they were last year as well. Jonathan Chamwachachua was a relatively solid player last year. Now he's been able to give Baylor right around nine rebounds per game. Going to be a very good measuring sip game for them in a few nights when they wind up taking on Villanova. That's going to be taking place on Sunday. I think that that is going to be very intriguing. I'm personally going to be setting Baylor as a favorite. I actually wind up doing my lines for the games about 48 hours in advance. So right when I wind up getting off this show, I'm actually going to be handicapping that Baylor versus Villanova game at GNRS41. You're going to be seeing that tweet up for the games that we're going to be seeing on Sunday at like 5.30 a.m. Pacific time if you're Eastern time you're gonna be waking up and you're gonna be seeing that that just goes to show the Wonderful and balanced sleep schedule that one Greg Peterson does have but I think that's going to be just a massive game In general, when you're taking a look at the landscape of college basketball. But other teams that I've really been becoming a little bit more bullish on. I wonder if we just go with the entirety of the Big East. I think that there were many people like myself that thought that it was going to be Villanova number one in the Big East. and I still think that Villanova is certainly the best team out there in the Big East. But when it comes to everyone else, I was just like, I don't know what we're going to be able to get out of St. John's, UConn, Seton Hall, Seton Hall. They wound up having a mammoth win against Texas a few days ago. They look very good And Texas. Even though they've taken two losses, I still think that they're a top 10 team. I still think when it's all said and done, they are going to be a contender for the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. This team is going to be just fine. You've just got a Texas team that they're dealing with so many moving parts. That it's not even funny. I mean, you just take a look at what you've got in general when it comes to the Texas team. You've had Dylan DeSue be out of the fold. You've got pretty much five new pieces out. They do wind up bringing back Courtney Ramey along with Andrew Jones, but but I think that that's just such an important aspect of college basketball handicapping as well, is that when it comes down to it, there are some teams that they wind up getting off to slow starts and they finish fast, and then there are teams that they wind up getting off to fast starts and they finish slow. Typically, Arizona State is one of these teams that they wind up being able to start fast and then they finish very slow. Unfortunately, this year, they just have decided to take the entire season off as Bobby Hurley apparently why he has a job, I have absolutely no idea. But I, and he's really taking the approach of, you know what? I'm not going to coach my team. I'm rather going to yell at the refs instead. Hopefully, they'll give us a couple calls. And rather than coaching up our guy, bunch of guys are really, really talented, we're going to take this approach. Certainly, as i been working out for them. Meanwhile, you take a look at a team that you're in year, they see you year on, they seem to peak at the right time. Like an Oregon, like a Kentucky, you've got to be taking that into account. Like, Oregon is a team that I'm very sour on right now would you be surprised if oregon winds up figuring it out in february they wind up being able to put together a couple wins they wind up being able to make a nice run in the pac-12 tournament i would not be you remember that 2019 season in which bobo winds up going down very early they wind up winning the pac-12 tournament they make the sweet 16 and then as a 12 seed they scare the bejesus out of out of virginia i that is the sort of things that you want to be taking a look at right there because there are just certain teams that are like that as well but if you're taking a look at another thing that I've really noticed, the Big West. If you're looking a little bit more under the radar, this is a conference that is playing some good basketball. I mentioned how bad Arizona State has been. UC Riverside went on the road. It took a three quarter score shot, but they were able to get that outright win. I mentioned one underdog a little bit earlier in the show that I do like. For this Saturday, UC Irvine, I've been very impressed by them. Their defensive approach is just hard-nosed. They don't necessarily take a lot of threes, but they know who they are, a team that winds up just grinding away at the glass. They do a great job of being able to try to get those layups they feature column felt very well so i think that that is a team that you are taking a look at a deck a team that's ineligible for the ncaa tournament uc san diego is a double digit underdog to begin the year they were able to take down cal and that's another conference as well when it comes to pac-12 i thought there was going to be a little bit of balance right now you've got a bunch of you've got a few halves i should say and then you've got a bunch of have-nots as well so those have been some takeaways i've had from college basketball from this season thus far Now let's turn it forward because obviously we've got to try to make some money today in college basketball. Going to be taking a look at a few games that are a little bit more off the beaten path on the other side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience as you are listening to v the Sports Betting Network.
2: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: The v Bowl Betting Guide is almost here with everything you need to bet smarter on every single bowl game. This year's guide provides matchup analysis on every bowl game, including insights, trends, data, and predictions. For you to be able to make your best bets, the guide is designed to be able to give you an edge whether you are betting on every game, playing contest, or you just want to find a few key high-value pops. This is a guide that is dropping on December 13th so make sure to get your copy today for only 19 dollars and that is at beatson.com slash subscribe as we're back here in Las Vegas for the Greg Peterson experience and it is great that we've got so much college basketball action today. We've hit on quite a few of these games. How about if we continue on with one of the more harebrained spreads that you're going to find in We've seen a little bit of a move on this game, and I actually do agree with it. We're going to be going 649-650 on the betting board as you've got Missouri hitting the road to face off against Kansas. Boy, this is not the... Rivalry that we all remember with regards to Missouri versus Kansas. Well, I think in order for it to be a rivalry, one team needs to actually be competitive in it. But with that said, you've got Missouri as a 22-point underdog. We're seeing a couple straight 22 and a halfs out there as well. Turn on this game; it's 142 and a half on 143. This Missouri, this Missouri team stinks. So I'm gonna call it what it is. This is a little bit too far, though. I wound up saying this as a twenty and a half point line. So here at twenty two, twenty two and a half, even twenty one and a half, I'm going to be taking a shot here on Missouri. When it comes to Missouri, Kobe Brown, I think, is actually going to be able to do a relatively solid job when it comes to this team. Kobe Brown, someone that's saying right around six foot eight, six foot nine, he's be able to. Pop a couple threes for the team, right around fifteen points, ten boards now. When I take a look at Kansas, what I think is a key for this team is Jalen Wilson moving forward. He wanted missing the first three games of the season due to a DUI and he was a a rebound per game guy led the team in that category last season. He hasn't necessarily been able to get online. Now, why I do have a little bit of trepidation here with Missouri is because if you wound up seeing Kansas a few nights ago against St. John's, they looked really good in that game. And David McCormick, who was underachieving a little bit during the season at the beginning part, he was able to have a double-double in that game. He seems to have found it. Now, what is going to be key for Missouri, just being able to find a little bit of something in the backcourt. Jerron Coleman has been dealing with a little bit of ailment. He winds up coming in from the MAC. He's been able to give the team 7.5 points per game, but When it comes to this Missouri team, you don't have a single guy that has played in at least seven of the team's nine games and has been able to give you more than six minutes that is shooting at least 30% from three-point range. And this has been a very lowly group among 358 D1 teams. They are 357th when it comes to three-point shooting percentage They've been actually really lucky as opponents against them are shooting 58.5% the free-throw line. So this bad record that Missouri has, it actually could be worse. So that is something that you've got to be taking into account as well. But you got to figure that someone like Amari Davis is going to be able to step up. He's giving the team 12 points per game. He winds up coming in from UW-Green Bay. And three other top four scorers are able to shoot 80% the free-throw line. So you've got a little bit of redeeming quality there. Missouri still has just more raw talent than if you're going to be finding some team like a, How about if we throw in there UW Green Bay, for example, traveling to Kansas like that would be a little bit of a dump trucking. But I do think that Missouri is going to be able to, I don't know if 20 points is hanging within arm's reach, but they're going to be within super shouting distance. Of Kansas and when it comes to this Missouri team they haven't necessarily been playing at a good tempo and for Kansas they actually wound up playing the first under a couple days ago against UTEP I think that this has a good chance to be number two just because with Kansas I could easily see this being a game of which wines up going like 78 to 58, just because you've got a Missouri team that they don't necessarily put the ball in the basket. I want to say in the subtle, personally, more in the pocket of about a 134, 134 and a half ish. So I do see quite a bit of value here to the under, but when it comes to the spot, I think that we've just won a little bit too aggressively on Kansas. I do think that Kansas is going to be able to win this game and they're going to be able to win this game comfortably. And you do have an All-American sleeper in Oshay Ubashi. to be able to give the team 23 and half points per game. If you want to take it a future on odds be able to win the Naismith on him, you're actually not in too terrible shape in my opinion. Now his running mate, his running mate in Remy Martin, I think he's going to need to do a little bit more for this team. He's been able to shoot solidly from three-point range, but hasn't done as much facilitating as he did at Arizona State, but certainly it's by which I think we went a little bit too far with this Kansas line, but I do like this total under as well. When it comes to a good rivalry, we've got that out there in college basketball as well. As we had two good old Cincinnati, 705-706. These two schools are separated by fewer than 10 miles as you've got Cincinnati taking on Xavier. The X-Men opened up an eight and a half point favorite. They are now anywhere between seven and seven and a half. And your total this game is between 133 and a half. I'm seeing a 134 out there as well. And when it comes to Xavier, I want to tell them as an eight-point favorite. I think what is going to be so key for this team is Zach Fremantle coming back. Last year he averaged seven. Team points, eight rebounds per game. He was the team's top overall player. He wanted coming back a few games ago. Didn't necessarily look like himself until the team's last game against Ball State, where he was able to emerge for double figures. He was scoring darn near a point a minute. He looked like the Zach Fremantle of old. Meanwhile, you take a look at Cincinnati, and a big hang up that I have on this team is the fact that as a collective, they're shooting right around 30% for three point range. West Miller is a heck of a coach. I think that he's one of the up and coming stars just in the industry in general, but When it comes to Cincinnati, it's a squad in which I would expect them to be able to force a couple more turnovers. This is a team that they're turning teams over right around 13 and a half times per game. That's not great, but that's not terrible either. Now, they themselves... Do a great job taking care of the ball. Nine point nine turnovers per game. That is in the top twenty in all of college basketball. So you do give them a little bit of credit there. David Julius, while I was with Michigan a few years ago, I remember with regards to conference assist or turnover ratio. He was in the top five in all of college basketball among qualifying players. But Mike Sanders, he's able to shoot about thirty or forty-seven percent from three point range. Other than that, you have no outside shooting when it comes to the team. And you don't even have a lot of rebounding. Victor Leichen, he has been able to give the team right around five and a half rebounds per game. He is the only guy on this team that's giving you north of five rebounds per game. So that has been, no doubt, a big giant issue. You need someone like an Odie Oguama to be able to step up for you. Ryan's coming in for Wake Forest. He's been coming in off the bench. He's been able to give you six points per game. But... When it comes to the X-Men, I do like the way that this team has been able to progress. They've actually been playing a little bit more up-tempo as well, which I do think makes this total a little bit more intriguing because Cincinnati is not necessarily an explosive offensive team, but at the same time, they're able to do enough to be able to get it done. I personally wound up setting this total at a 134. At a 135, which I'm seeing in a couple books right now, I'd be taking a look at an under, but we're seeing this sh- this shift down further and further. I'm seeing a couple 133.5s, a couple 134s. At like a 133.5, I'd be willing to take a look at the over. Once you wind up getting north of 134, then I think it's going to be a little bit too much of a horse apiece situation. So, it's, if a spot in which we are seeing a little bit of movement with regards to the total at something, like I said, like a 133, 133 look at it over as I wound up saying this little personally at a 134 so we're getting relatively in line with regards to my number how about if we go with a little bit of something off the beaten path my wonderful producer Brian Ortega was mentioning to me you should bring up the UNLV versus Hartford game so we are going to be going to the extra games board and if you don't have this available these will be coming up in the AM right now the only book really in Vegas I am seeing this available is circa I do think that Caesars by William Hill has these available as well but you're going to see a lot more of these books populate this in the AM. So if you're not seeing this right now, have no fear. You can just put this on Rewide. You can put a star next to it, something like that, because this, these will be up in the next few hours. And some of these games, they move very, very fast. As you've got Hartford hitting the road to face off against UNLV. The Running Rebels between a 9-9.5 nine to nine and a half point favorite. And your total on this game is between 136 and 136.5. And I think that UNLV is going to be able to go ham. Roy Sam, he's been able to give the team nine and a half rebounds per game, comes in from Texas, he's been able to do a great job down low. Hartford is going to have no answer for them. When it comes to Hartford, what was really able to allow them to be able to make the NCAA tournament last year was two things. They were able to do a good job of being able to force turnovers, and they did a good job of being able to cut off the three-pointer. The main reason why they were able to do that Tracy Carter was in college basketball for I swear 27 years. I still remember when he began his career at Marquette. I was still in college when he wanted up beginning his college basketball career. Ever since he wanted moving on, this is a Hartford team that, well, they've sort of been sucked. They also wanted losing Morris Love, Southville in the offseason. So that one affecting them a little bit down low as you've got right now. One guy giving you more than 5.1 rebounds per game. That would be Moses Flowers. Who doesn't deserve his Flowers? He's been able to get the team 11.5 points, 7.5 boards per game, but. You take a look at the turnovers that are being forced by the team. They are in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers for per game. So it's the exact opposite of what we wound up seeing from Hartford last season. They are 319th in the country with regards to free throw shooting percentage. They are shooting as a collective 65%. You've got one other top five scores shooting above 71.5% at the free throw line. That, no doubt, is a little bit of an issue for the team. Now, Hunter Marks is a guy with size that's able to stretch out the floor. He's shooting 41.5% from three-point range, so that has actually been very good for the team. But you take a look at the way that they're guarding the arc. 215th in college basketball with regards to three-point shooting and UNLV, they're not a team that they shoot at well from three. They shoot about 31% from distance, but Bryce Hamilton, despite the fact that he's not a great three-point shooter, he's still pumping in there 17 points per game. You've got a backcourt in general of this team that is now... Getting a little bit more with Michael Nuga, a guy that wound up having his season ended by injury while I was at Kent State. You could tell in the first couple games of the season, did not look like himself in UNLV's last game. He emerged for 21 points. I think that that's a Michael Nuga that we're going to be seeing moving forward. And moving forward, I think that this will be a better UNLV team for it. So, made them an 11-point favorite. So, I'm going to be looking to lay the points here with UNLV. And in the final segment, we're going to be refreshing my New York Post play today. And give you guys just what I like on the college basketball board. For this Saturday, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Bank Network.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
2: Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development.
3: Hoops
2: Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: The VSN holiday offers here right now when you sign up for our ninety-nine dollar mid-season football special. You also receive a twenty dollars credit to the VSN store. Get all of our sports experts' betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season. Plus. You get $20 to be held by Sports Betting, hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up because this is a limited time offer. So sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift, and that is at Beason.com/slash/subscribe. As It is a final segment right here on the Greg Peterson Experience, but have no fear. Here at Beeson, we've got you covered wall-to-wall. Now we're going to be having more college basketball coverage that warms the heart of myself, as my nickname is Hoops, and As you guys know, when it comes to all the work that I do during the college basketball season, every single day, I wind up giving out a pick to the near post. that I do feel strongly about. And with this one, we are going to be taking a look at this UCLA versus Marquette game. Right now, you've got UCLA finding themselves as a seven-point favorite, as this is a line that has been moving quite rapidly. And your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 148.5 and a 149. This is one that opened up at 5.5. I want to saying UCLA personally has a 7.5 point favorite. So this is starting to creep up close to my line. I do still like UCLA here in this spot. Even at a 7.5, I do still think that UCLA has some relatively solid value. I do think that this is a spot in which Marquette is going to be doing for some regression. Because you do take a look at this Marquette team, and it certainly has been. A team that has been, in my opinion, a little bit blessed. You take a look at them, they rank outside the top 60. When it comes to defensive efficiency, that's just merely the points that you allow on a per possession basis. And then when you take a look at Marquette, they're right around 175th. With the guards points scored on a per possession basis. Then you take a look at this UCLA Bruins team. And the Bruins, they certainly do have something good brewing over there. As Johnny Chi-Sang has been able to give the team 17 points per game. He's been relatively solid shooting 37% per three-point range. But really, the big giant shocker for this team has been what you've been able to get out of the point guard spot. Tiger Campbell has been doing a good job of facilitating the last two years. He is someone that he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. You know what you're going to be able to get out of him. Now you've been able to get outside shooting. This is someone that is shooting 48.5% from three-point range with 12.5 points per game. This is someone that last year, he shot 25% from three as a freshman, 26.5% from three. That is an added dimension that you've got to account for for UCLA. Now UCLA, they continue to play a little bit more of a slow and methodical sideline. We're seeing the correct move on this subtle Right now you're seeing it at DraftKings more round at 148.5. It started out at a 152 and a half and I think that this is the correct move on the total. I wound up saying this as a 144, 141 and a half personally because when it comes to UCLA it's one of the more controlled teams in all of college basketball. They're not a team that they're gonna get outside of themselves. They do a good job of just playing a little bit more methodically taking the full shot clock and being able to just get an efficient shot in general when it comes to just total possessions on a per game basis. This is a UCLA team that right now they rank more around 100th so they have been kicking things up a little bit more in recent games but you also take a look at that road and neutral just sort of moniker because they've been playing a bunch of teams like Long Beach State and company at home at home they actually are one of the top teams in all of college basketball with guards the quickest tempo on the road they're actually towards the bottom so I do think that that's something that you do want to be taking a look at it shows that UCLA against better competition they are willing to slow things down a little bit I want to come to Mark you just don't have a lot of three-point shooting when it comes to this team. They shoot 32.5% from three. Daryl Marcel, I will say, is one of the better on-ball defenders in college basketball, which is why I do partially like this total a little bit more under as well because with Marcel, 15 points per game, able to shoot 40% from three-point range. Justin Lewis is able to do a relatively solid job down low, but for UCLA, they have been dealing with some injuries, but Jaime Hawkins is going to be good to go in this game. Cody Riley, if he does wind up playing, It's going to be in a little bit of a smaller capacity, but there's a chance that he could wind up seeing his first action in quite a while as well. So I do think that you've got some good value here with both the under and UCLA at 7-7.5. to When you wind up getting outside of 7.5, then you've really seen a big move because, like I mentioned, this is one that it opened up at a a 5.5. So we have certainly seen this thing go up and up and up. So we're certainly going to be gauging this a little bit more moving forward. But... Did wind up giving out for the New York Post. UCLA went. It certainly was 5.5. Still like it here at 7-7.5. Seven to seven and a half, But when it comes to the Soto, liking this total under as well. Here's a game that we have yet to hit on as we've got to go out to the great state of Washington. As this one is going to be taking place in Spokane Arena. Washington State versus South Dakota State, 6:43, 6:44 on the banking board. We got a South Dakota State team that is coming off of losing as a north of a 20-point favorite to Idaho. Now they're the hitting the road, face off against Washington State, and what's a little bit more of a neutral court game, but I mean let's call it what it is, pseudo home game for Washington State. Washington State find themselves as high as a six and a half point favorite, as low as a five and a half, and your total on this game, it is one the higher one. So you're going to be finding on this college basketball Saturday at a 158. I do you think that this is going to be a good spot for South Dakota State to be laying in there. I recognize the fact that they want up losing to Idol. You don't want to be losing to Idaho, but with that said, when it comes to South Dakota State, you still have a guy that was a conference player of the year two seasons ago in Douglas Wilson, who's been able to give you 15 points per game when it comes to Washington say This is not a team that they're necessarily looking to gun it either. So I do think that this total sort of is set a little bit too high because you do have one team in South Dakota State that they are looking to play at a breakneck pace. When it comes to South Dakota State, with regards to possessions on a per-game basis, this is a team that they do rank in the top 25 and all of college basketball. This is a bunch of which they are going to be pushing the tempo. But with that said, when you take a look at the flip side on what you're going to be able to get out of this Washington State team, a little bit more slow, a little bit more controlled. It's not that they're an inefficient offense, but at the same time, it's not like they're a top five efficiency team and all of college basketball stuff. I do think that that's something that you got to be taking a look at as well when it comes down to this Washington State team as well. But I think it's going to be big, being able to find a little bit more rebounding. Andrzej is someone that wanted to return to the school after it looked like he was going to be transferring to Loyola of Maryland and he hasn't necessarily seen the playing time that I thought he was going to do. F.E. Odigi has been able to do a relatively solid job down low. You've got Tyrell Ghost Roberts, who's able to give you 11 points per game when we'll you take a little bit more of a look at the backcourt. But when it comes to South Dakota State as well, what I think is really big for the team, six foot six Baylor Shireman. He is a good combo player that's currently shooting over forty percent from three point range. He's been able to pump in there right around fourteen and a half points, nine and a half rebounds. Truly a versatile player for the team. When it comes to South Dakota State, they have been giving up the arc quite a bit. They are three hundred fourteenth of the country when it comes to opponents' three point shooting percentage, and you do have. A couple guys outside of Tyrell Ghost Roberts that are able to hit those threes. Like you know, Williams, who's been able to give the team 14 points per game. So that is a little bit of an issue that you have. But with South Dakota State, they themselves shoot and half percent from three-point range. That is numero uno in all of college basketball. They don't necessarily need a lot of offensive rebounds because they just wind up hitting the shots themselves the first time. So I think that's something that you got to be looking out for. And then when it comes to the South Dakota State team as well, We've seen other guys like Azeek Mayo, Charlie Easley. They've been able to step up in bench roles, being able to give the team a combined 15 points per game between the two of them. And Easley, shooting 62.5% from three-point range, that's easily going to make a little bit of a difference in this game. So I take a look at it. South, South Dakota State is more around a four-point underdog. So being able to get five and a half to six, I do think that it's good value. I think that Washington State in general is going to be playing a tad bit slower in this game. So I think we've went a little bit too far on the 158. I had this more around a 150. Four and a half, so I'm going to be willing to dive under in this spot, and I'm going to be willing to take a look at. It. The points here with South Dakota Say We've hit on so many of these marquee college basketball games. How about if we give you guys one more? UC Santa Barbara gonna be in the road to face off against St. Mary's. St. Mary's is finding themselves and we're between a nine to nine and a half point favorite with your total and we between 127 and a half. Seeing a stray 129 out there as well and if you're able to get a 129 which I am seeing currently at DraftKings, I would certainly be hopping all over the solo. If you've been watching St. Mary's games you've noticed that they have been complete and utter eyesores. I mean this is a bunch Bunch of which it is taking college basketball back to the Dark Ages, but they are a good team at being able to be one of those whole is greater than the sum of its parts sort of teams. You've got a guy in Kyle Bowen, who's been able to do a nice job down low for the team. He's been able to haul in there right in the neighborhood of about, I would say about six and a half rebounds. It is actually getting more rebounds and points, so he's been able to do a nice job there, but then when you take a look at the flip side, what you're able to get out of UC Santa Barbara, they do wind up losing quite a bit, their backcourt from last season, but what else you've got when it comes to this Gauchos team is you've got a guy in Amandu Sal, who's been able to give you 19 points, seven and a half rebounds per game. Last year, he was really off with his three point shooting. He's been able to rediscover that three point shooting form a little bit more this season. Now, when it comes to this the St. Mary's team as well they are a team that they do not give you second chances they're giving up six offensive rebounds per game that ranks them in the top ten in all of college basketball but they also play at a really really slow pace that giving up just a couple shots could wind up hurting them they are 193rd in the country with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage you've got a Santa Barbara team that they're not great they're not terrible with regards to being able to hit their three-point shots you've had a guy in Pierre-Louis who's been able to shoot right in the neighbor about 30-ish percent from three-point range with right around 10 points per game. I think that he's going to need to step up in order for Santa Barbara to be able to hold in this game. But I do think that Santa Barbara has a good chance to be able to hold in there because you have seen a little bit of streakiness when it comes to St. Mary's as well. This is a team that they shoot right around 68.5% at the free throw line. That is 227th in all of college basketball. And When it comes to Santa Barbara, it certainly was a little bit of a tough game for them when they wound up... Losing outright to UT Arlington, but I feel like that was a little bit of a wake up call for them. I do think that they're going to be able to hold within the number, set this line at eight, and set this total more around 120. So I'm looking at an under, and I'm looking at taking the points here with UC Santa Barbara, and I'm taking a look at VESAN all day long because you, we've got you guys covered with a little bit of everything college football, college basketball, upcoming NFL games, list goes on and on. So we've got you with everything that you need right here on the Sports Bank Network, VESAN.